This is Come Follow Me Made Easier. My name is Thomas Holton, and I am the author of Alive in Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's wonderful to have an opportunity today to discuss 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19, if we get through all that material. And I, I love the revelations of the Old Testament. I think there are so many inspiring lessons that we can learn from these revelations that pertain to our own day and our own lives. And so we're, we're going to begin with the very famous story of the prophet Elijah and the widow. So uh, let's begin. What I would like to do is to read each of these verses and to reflect uh, on the story and some of the great principles, the great doctrinal principles that we can learn and reflect on and ponder in our own lives as we discuss these things uh, for our own lives in our own day and time. Verse 1, we begin with this. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, Ahab, who was the king, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. I love the fact that in the Old Testament, the prophets often refer to this idea as the Lord God of Israel liveth. So Jehovah to them was a living God. He wasn't like the false idols, the golden calves, or idols of wood or stone, uh, gods that had no power, no power to speak, no power to reveal themselves, no power to save, no power to gather. Uh, this is a God of miracles, a God who lives, a God who not just exists in someone's mind, but a God who has a living reality. And Jehovah is the living God. So the testimony of Elijah is that the Lord lives and the Lord has called him, Elijah, as a messenger, as a prophet. And we begin with that testimony and how important it is to sense that, that these prophets spoke in the name of the living God and exercised his authority and his power in doing their work. And I contrast that with the, the idols of stone and wood and gold uh, who, who could not speak, who could not reveal themselves. Elijah says to the king, that there would be no rain uh, for years, but according to his word. So Elijah would have power to make it rain or to stop it from raining. Uh, and this was obviously a very important thing because the rain would allow the crops to grow. And without that rain, there would be no crops and there would be famine. And this, of course, is a very interesting idea, the idea that certain prophets have been given that power over the elements. Elijah, as we know, is a very important prophet who came in the latter days to reveal this, what we call the sealing power of the priesthood uh, to the prophet Joseph Smith and to Oliver Cowdery. That sealing power being the power to seal on earth and seal in heaven, to loose on earth and loose in heaven. In other words, that those actions that they would take would have power and validity on both sides of the veil in time and in eternity. So here we have a prophet who has this sealing power really and is able to exercise it like unto the latter Nephi in, uh, in the Book of Mormon who had power to bring about a famine. He didn't want the people to be destroyed, so he asked the Lord to send a famine. And of course, the Lord gave Nephi the sealing power, which is that great power to make those uh, things on earth occur and have validity in heaven. So what a powerful statement to begin with. And obviously, the king was going to be alarmed to hear this news. And the word of the Lord came unto him, came unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook 
Cherith, that is before Jordan. So Elijah wasn't very popular with the king and uh, he was a righteous man, a faithful prophet. And so the Lord sent him into hiding. Verse 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So Elijah would have water to drink, but it would be the water from this brook. Uh, and the, the ravens would feed him the food that he would need to be sustained. So, of course, uh, the Lord was looking after his prophet, his covenant spokesman. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. I'm always struck by that fact that the prophet follows the counsel of the Lord. We know a prophet because he has the power and capacity to receive revelation, and also he has the willingness to follow revelation. So he, he's acquainted with the voice of the Lord, and he listens and hearkens to it. Think about President Nelson. He is a man who is quick to receive revelation, to listen to the voice of the Lord and to act on it, not just to obtain the mind of the Lord, but to do it, to place his life in alignment with it. And that really is one of the keys for those who hold the sealing power. Their concern is to follow the Lord, to do his will. Their concern is not with their own will, but to do the Lord's will. So Elijah was obedient, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So the promise of the Lord was fulfilled, uh, that he would be sustained. He would receive the nourishment he needed on a daily basis, both in the morning and in the evening. It was bread and meat and water, those key elements, and uh, how important that is in the revelations. Christ Jehovah being the bread of life and the living water. And uh, we're, we're learning those great and precious principles that God feeds uh, us and sustains us. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So even the prophet Elijah was impacted by this lack of rain, by this famine in the land. Even that brook dried up. It shows you the prophets are not exempt from the the desires of God, from the power of God. They still, they live in the real world and they are impacted by the things that happen uh, to all of us. But the Lord made provision for him and we're going to talk about that. Uh, the word of the Lord came unto him, unto Elijah. So the Lord was giving him inspiration and revelation. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, what a marvelous revelation this is. The prophet is told to arise and go to this place uh, because the Lord had made provision. He had commanded a widow woman to sustain him. Now, we don't know exactly what that involved, but obviously, the Lord was communicating this, with this widow woman in advance. So he's making preparations for this to occur. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. This is really interesting to me because Elijah is immediately obedient to this command. Um, and he goes to the gate of the city and he immediately calls upon that woman. He recognizes her. It's not entirely clear how he recognizes her, perhaps by the spirit, uh, but he recognizes her and he asks her immediately in a spirit of humility uh, to give him a little bit of water that he might drink. Uh, what very direct, very straightforward. Imagine yourself in that situation. If a prophet of the Lord came to you and you were a widow or a widower and uh, you were called upon to assist them in their work, how would you feel if you had to entertain a prophet in your own home and feed them and uh, give them nourishment? 
And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. So the invitation of the prophet was that she would provide food. She would provide bread and water to the prophet. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She bore direct and open witness to the fact that she was preparing for her own demise and that of her son. And all she had was a a tiny handful of meal and a little bit of oil, not very much, enough to sustain her and her son for a short time, and then they would uh, pass on. What a situation that the prophet of the Lord comes to invite this woman, who's a widow, and who has very little resources, and he invites her to do something hard by saying, put me first, give me a little bit of a cake, um, and give me a little bit of sustenance first before you feed you and your son. That you and your son. What a what a test, what a challenge this would have been uh, to her if we put ourselves in in her situation, that she was really being tested. What would we do? But she was a woman of faith, a woman of devotion, uh, and she wanted to do what was right. Elijah said unto her, "Fear not." So obviously there was a bit of concern in her face, in her countenance, I presume. Um, He said, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. Now some might regard this as a cruel thing for a a prophet to demand um, this in this situation where it was obvious that she was um, had very little resources. I don't see it that way. I see this as a, a test of faith to see will we put the Lord first? Will will we show and evidence our faith by putting the prophet of the Lord first? And the prophet is the earthly representative of the heavenly king of God. And so she was being tested to say, okay, would she accept this hard commandment, this difficult doctrine? Sometimes the prophet will give us invitations that contradict uh, rationality or might might contradict um, our beliefs. And we can ask ourselves, well, do I have sufficient trust and faith? Even though I don't see all things, even though I don't know the full uh, outcome of this, will I do what I'm asked to do? It it might be difficult. It will often be difficult. Um, But she was willing to do it. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, This is a promise from Elijah, the prophet. I think this is wonderful. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, this is very interesting because when the Lord originally commanded the widow to prepare to sustain a prophet, it's not clear that he gave any commitment to her to say, oh, you'll survive uh, it's not even clear that he, the Lord gave any commitment to Elijah saying, you're going to survive this famine because originally he was fed by the ravens, uh, but he then became subject to hunger and thirst like everyone else in a famine. So even the prophets have to face those difficult circumstances. And so did this woman. She was in the midst of a famine, uh, but the Lord hadn't necessarily promised at any stage before this Uh, that they would all be safe. But at this point, Elijah gives this revelation. Now, he may have just received this in the very moment as he was speaking, that the Spirit of the Lord impressed him to say this, but he made this promise that if she acted in faith according to this command, uh, that the oil would be replenished, and so would the, the meal. What a powerful promise. What an astonishing promise. Uh, until the Lord would send rain again on the earth. So there's a promise here of sustenance. There's a promise of assurance that if you do this for the prophet of the Lord, that you will be preserved. You and your son will be preserved. That as a family, God would sustain them. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he 
and her house did eat many days. So she was obedient to the word of the Lord through the prophet, through the mortal instrument uh, that the Lord had sent. And her and her house, her son and Elijah, obviously did eat many days. We don't know how many days that was, but it was many days. They were preserved according to the command of the Lord. They didn't die. That's a miracle. And so often the Lord works in that way. He defies expectation. He defies even logic and rationality. We may not see how such a thing can happen, but the Lord can make it happen. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So that was the prophetic promise. That was the promise of the Lord, and it came to pass. The Lord takes his promises seriously. They're not idle promises. They're not meant to be a a joke. They are meant to be um, genuine and serious. And the Lord kept his word. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. So the widow's son died. Now, what a shock to happen after they'd been through so much, so much difficulty to have this contradiction seeming a breach in what the Lord had promised. But there was more to the story. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? So we don't know what sin she's referring to exactly, but she's sounding like she feels like she's being punished. And I can understand that as her her son, who was so precious to her, um, her husband was deceased and she, all she had in her life was her son, really. And she felt like now God was taking him away. Um, but the Lord had a different uh, plan in store. And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? Interestingly, we learn from this that uh, Elijah was staying with the family. So they didn't just give him food and water. um, They gave him a place to stay. Similar to Amulek in the Book of Mormon, who was able to take care of Alma, uh, who was a hundred. He fasted many days. And the blessing of God rested upon Alma, Amulek and his entire house and all of his resources. And so it is in this case that as we follow the Lord's prophet, as we counsel and sustain him and do those things he invites us to do, the blessing of God rests upon us. So Elijah goes in prayer to God and he stretched himself upon the child three times. He administered to him according to the pattern of the priesthood uh, and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. So it's clear that the child was dead. His spirit has de- had departed his body, but then came back. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. Great lesson there that Elijah was a man who heard the voice of the Lord and followed it. And so the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. It's a mutual, reciprocal relationship between God and his prophet, where they listen to each other. So the the boy was brought back to life and Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother and Elijah said see thy son liveth so this was another miracle that happened in the life of this family and how grateful that widow woman must have been to see her son brought back to life and the promise of God fulfilled And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So that is an indicator that she was acting on faith 
She didn't have an absolute assurance that Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. She had to have her faith tested. And her faith was true. And she followed the word of the Lord. And then she gained a knowledge. She gained a firm conviction that Elijah was indeed a prophet of the Lord. I love the fact that Elijah saved this family with a temporal salvation. And I often think about the prophet Elijah, that he came in this latter day with the sealing power to bind the families of the earth together, to heal that which was broken, to bind up that which was lost, uh, to save the families of the earth. And what a perfect man to do that, because here on earth, he is saving with a temporal salvation those who would be obedient to God. And spiritually, he has that sealing power to unite families for time and all eternity. So the temporal is a pattern of the spiritual. It's a likeness. It's a representation. The things on earth are a pattern of that which is in in heaven. And the sealing power extends into the eternities, that which exists on heaven. So this mother and her son and this great relationship of faith that they had was extended into the eternities, really, through ultimately through the power uh, of the priesthood, the sealing power held by Elijah. And we're not told that directly in this account, but by implication, that's the long-term view of what we're talking about. The temporal salvation being a type of the spiritual salvation. We are saved eternally and brought to a newness of life, an eternal life through the power of God's priesthood, through faith in him, through the power of Jesus Christ and his atoning love. Now we move on to chapter 18. This is where Elijah is sent to meet the king. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, shew thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So that's the promise. Rain would come as he revealed himself to the king. And Elijah went to shew himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. A famine, of course, we can see that in two ways. One is a famine of bread and water. A famine of physical sustenance being limited, but also a spiritual famine. If we don't hear the word of the Lord, that's a spiritual famine. So Elijah really was the remedy to both of those, the remedy to the physical and the spiritual famine. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So this was a good man, a righteous man, this this Obadiah. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. It's always a, a wonderful thing in the scriptures when a person protects the prophets of the Lord. And there are numerous accounts of this. They are richly blessed, even though it takes courage and they might be doing it at the risk of losing their life. The Lord loves those who sustain his prophets and apostles, and he, he blesses them in rich ways. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all fountains of water, and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou the, my lord Elijah? So Obadiah recognized the prophet. And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me. So Obadiah was worried he was going to lose his life and we find out the reason why. As the Lord thy God liveth, again that testimony, and this time it's from Obadiah, that we're talking about a living God. We are talking about a God who loves, who lives, who speaks, who reveals himself, a God who's invested in the lives of his children. A God who has a plan and a purpose, not a dead God, not an absentee God, 
not a distant God. So as the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. So in other words, Ahab had sent to every nation looking for Elijah. And when the people said, Oh, he's not here, uh, they, they got in trouble. So Ahab is looking for Elijah. He wants to find them because he knows, even though he's an unrighteous man, he knows that Elijah is the prophet of the Lord. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so, when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from thy youth. So Obadiah was worried that Ahab uh, was going to kill him. When he came to Ahab and said, Oh, I found Elijah, but he, he couldn't then locate him because Elijah had moved on uh, by the spirit that uh, Ahab would kill Obadiah. So Obadiah was worried, saying, I've kept the commandments from my youth. Why are you here to do this, to give me this message, which is going to result in trouble for me and the death of my life? Um, Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid an hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? So he's recounting to the prophet the fact that he's a faithful servant and has protected the prophets of God. And now thou sayest, go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely shew myself unto him today. So essentially, he's reassuring Obadiah that he doesn't need to worry, that Elijah knows God lives. He has a testimony of the living God. And he stands before God. He's a witness for God. He's a prophet. Um, And so he's going to show himself to the king that day. That's his promise. That's his commitment. That's his word. And he's going to keep it. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So obviously Obadiah was reassured by the testimony of the prophet, and he had confidence that he was telling the truth. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So Ahab was blaming the prophet, for the woes of Israel, for the famine in the land. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So Elijah makes it clear that the trouble in Israel is not a famine, really. The trouble is the worship of false gods the worship of idols. It's idolatry. And that's the consistent theme in so many ways of the Old Testament, that we are to either worship the true and living God or some other God. The the God, Jehovah, is the true God. Other gods are dead. Other gods are of stone or of wood. They cannot save anyone. They cannot speak. They cannot bless. They can't perform miracles. But the God of Israel can. He's the God of the covenant, the God of promises, and he is faithful to his word. So the real problem with Israel is that they're not following the true and living God. And Elijah has the courage to bear that testimony to the king. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So an invitation comes from the prophet of God, the true prophet, to gather all the false prophets to Mount Carmel. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people. And this is wonderful. This is a wonderful uh, invitation. And he said to them, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. 
And the people answered him, not a word. The invitation of the prophet of the Lord is clear. How long are you undecided between the true God, Jehovah, the God of Israel, the living, loving God that saves his people on the one hand, or on the other hand, the dead gods, false gods of wood and stone? How long before you decide which voice you're going to follow? And that's a wonderful principle in our own day. In this day and age when there is the true prophet of God and there are many other voices that would take us away, that would lead us astray, that would set themselves up as a voice uh, to contradict the prophet or to lead us a different way, to say, go this way, go a different way. Uh, so, And we all have that test. We all have that choice. Do we choose the living prophet? Or some other path, some other gods. Do we follow the God of Israel, the God of covenant, the God of faithfulness, the God of love, the God of loyalty, who is reliable and powerful and dependable, the God who's promised to save us from sin and death? Or do we follow gods that have no power uh, to save? That's the real test. And the people didn't answer a word which um, was interesting. They didn't really know what to say. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. There's only one true prophet at this time. There's 450 false prophets. And think about that in our own day and age. There's a lot of voices in the world calling us here, calling us there. There are many counterfeits. There are many false prophets, if we like. And a prophet is a spokesman for God. He teaches God's truth. He performs God's ordinances. Uh, he's been divinely designated to do that. So a false prophet is a counterfeit. He tries to lead us uh, to him, um, but but it's it's not the true and living God. So we need to be able to discern. And the scriptures teach us again and again, uh, how Israel has always been tempted and tested to see if they would follow the true and living voice or some other way, some other voice, some other shepherd. So, wonderful drama here, spiritual drama. Then Elijah said this, Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answered, answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. What a marvelous invitation. Elijah is laying down the chalice. This is the great test. Make an altar prepare the sacrifice and uh, let's see who can do uh, what needs to be done who can reveal themselves from heaven who has the power to speak who has the power to cause miracles and uh, who's a true god and who's false and as we learn sacrifice is in token and is in symbol of the sacrifice of the Father and the Son in the sending of Jesus Christ into the world, that he would be slain for the sins of the world as the great sacrifice, the infinite and eternal sacrifice, not a human sacrifice, but the sacrifice of the Son of God himself, not of a beast, not of a man, but of, a, of the Word made flesh, of Christ, the only begotten Son of God in the flesh, um, who would take upon himself the sins of the world, that he would be slain for the sins of the world. So that's the great sacrifice. And everything points to that. And that's what's going on here, that Elijah is pointing the people to the true and living God, the God of power, the God who has the power to save. And then we read on... Um, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, 
from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. How true it is. False gods cannot speak. Dead gods or gods of wood or stone have nothing to declare. They have no revelations to give, no intelligence to offer, no salvation to, to promise or provide uh, because they don't exist or they are dead, inanimate. They are not living like God is, who lives. Some say, uh, does God exist? Well, the answer is no, God does not exist. God lives. So God does far more than exist. A table exists, a chair exists. But God lives, he feels, he moves, he reveals, he speaks, he loves, and he shares with his children. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. Uh, so, what an invitation here from the prophet. Um, he, the mocking in the sense that he knows very well that these false gods, these other gods, are no gods at all. And they don't have the power uh, to do what needs to be done. And so he's, he's, he's joking with them in a sense because he knows they're not true gods, saying he must be busy or he must be asleep or whatever. Um, so he's not paying attention. This is not a god that can do the works that a God should be able to do. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. How ironic. And um, the blood of men cannot save. Only the blood of Christ can do that. And Elijah always points them to the true and living God, not the gods of men. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. In other words, there was no impact, because the, these gods were false. They had no power. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. How important that is the altar of the Lord. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Twelve tribes of Israel, the covenant people. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time in order to teach the lesson, to teach the principle that this really was going to be a miraculous encounter. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. Imagine that. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, and that I've done all these things at thy word. The prophets don't preach their own doctrine. They preach the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ. They perform his ordinances. They labor in his cause. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. His desire was to save the people, to turn them away from the worship of false gods to the worship of the true God. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water which was in the trench. What a powerful indicator that this is the true and living God. He goes beyond that which is expected. He meets the standard and far exceeds it of any expectation we might have. How wonderful. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is the God. 
the Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Interesting, isn't it? After this had been performed, that Elijah did the work of the Lord, that the true God was revealed. Then the rains came back as the people fell on their faces and turned away from false gods to the true God. That's when the rain came. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. How interesting that the Lord reveals himself in his time and in his way. He reveals his power to those who are humble and prepare to see. Now we move on finally to chapter 19. And this, again, is a a wonderful chapter. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, Um, with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel is threatening the prophet Elijah to kill him, as the prophets of Baal had been killed. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. So, He went um, in order to preserve himself. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah was a man who wanted to do the will of God. That was his concern. His concern was not with pride or ambition or his own praise or fortune. His concern was to be faithful to the God of Israel, to be faithful to his fathers. And he regarded himself as not better than his faithful fathers, but as one of the house of Israel. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He was worthy to entertain angels. He was worthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. Interesting again that we have the water and the cake. These are repetitive patterns. The Lord always reminding us that he's the bread of life and the living water. We need him desperately. The prophets don't go on their own power. They know the source of their power, the source of their strength, who is God, the mighty God. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. So the angel knew that this was going to be a difficult journey uh, that Elijah would, would face and he would need assistance. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Moses also fasted forty days and forty nights, as did Christ. What an amazing task, and that requires great uh, spiritual discipline. But he had been nourished by God so that he could endure that journey and went to Horeb, just like Moses did. Amount of revelation, amount of prophecy, amount of visions. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou there, thou here, Elijah? 
And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. The wicked did seek his life, Jezebel and Ahab and others. But when he said he's jealous for the Lord God of Israel, it means he he wanted to be faithful to God. He wanted to be faithful. And he didn't like that the people were breaking the covenant of God. The covenant people of the Lord are the Lord's accountable and responsible people. And they are to save the souls of men. They are to do the work of salvation for themselves and others. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. How interesting that is. Sometimes we seek God in great displays of power, in great signs and and great miraculous events of noise and and powerful displays of strength. And sometimes the Lord um, reveals himself in great power. But the Lord often is quiet and gentle and whispers to us in a still small voice. He wants to see who's paying attention. He wants to see are we listening And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? The voice wants to know, what what is Elijah doing? What's his purpose? Where is he located? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah repeats that testimony, that message, which is true, the true message. The house of Israel has always been tempted and tested to see if we will keep the covenant or forsake it to see if we will worship at the altar or not and to see if we will sustain the prophets or seek to kill them these are the tests again and again and they are the great tests of our day as well and the lord said unto him go return on thy way to the wilderness of damascus and when thou comest anoint hazel to be king over syria and ye yehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola shalt thou anoint to be a prophet in thy room. And the great prophet Elisha, as we know, would take up the mantle of the prophetic call. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Yehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Yehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Japheth, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Interesting that the mantle of the prophet transferred from Elijah to Elisha. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So here we have the call of a prophet, the call of a new prophet uh, to carry on the work and the ministry of that which was done by Elijah, the great prophet with the sealing power. These are wonderful doctrines, wonderful principles that we can learn that God is a living God, 
that he, he sustains his prophets who obey his law, who keep his ordinances, who proclaim his word, uh, even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's difficult. They don't escape difficulty. The prophets are willing, at the threat of losing their own lives, to do that which needs to be done. We also learn that God reveals himself in power in the time and season when that's needed. And he also reveals himself in a still, small voice, even a whisper. He speaks quietly and gently to us to persuade us to do good. It's my testimony, it's my witness that there are prophets in Israel. There were at this time, Elijah was a prophet. He came again in the latter days to restore the sealing power to Joseph Smith. And it is by that sealing power that every ordinance um, done by the power of the priesthood can be sealed, not only on earth, but in heaven, to unite scattered Israel together, to bring back that which was lost, to seal families who, who have been broken, who have been scattered, who have been separated, to bring them together in covenant through Christ. That is the great message, really, of the Old Testament, that God wants to bring back that which is broken. He wants to heal the nations. He wants to save his people with an everlasting covenant. I know that these things are true. I know that the Old Testament is a, a testament or a covenant of Jehovah, a testament of Jesus Christ, that he is the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth. I am so grateful for prophets who speak the word of the Lord with courage and conviction. And I pray and hope that each of us will hearken to the voice of our prophet and be richly blessed with all the blessings of the gospel in time and in the never-ending eternity that awaits beyond in the next life. For this I pray, invite us all to come to Christ and rejoice in his goodness and to bring our families and our friends and our neighbors to him. And may we do this in joy, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Perhaps you know of someone who does not believe the Savior's promise of a beautiful, abundant life if we but follow him. You can have peace in this life as well as in the life to come. Alive in Christ can teach you how to overcome the world and achieve the glorious life that Jesus Christ has promised us. It can show you how to put off the natural man, become a new creature, and be alive in Christ. The Savior was serious when he promised us rich blessings. You can transcend all obstacles with the help of God. You can rise above mortal temptations and tribulations and enjoy the companionship of the Holy Ghost at all times. Alive in Christ can show you how. Find it at cedarfort.com.